Oh gosh. All right. So Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Got it. My whole body just revolted on me. Hey everybody, welcome to Reading with Celebrities. I'm Lindsay. I'm Tiffany. And today is our discussion on our most recent Oprah Book Club book, Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yes, so hopefully everybody read it. This will be our, I think it's our seventh book from Oprah's Book Club, so we have five more to go. Yes, that is correct. Wow, I can't believe we're on the tail end of things. I didn't think we'd make it. <laughs> I think things got real iffy there for a while. <laughs> yeah, there was some there was some disappointment that I didn't know that we I didn't think we were gonna make it past. But we did. Well, we did. I say that. Our next book can also change some things. But yeah. Um I just finished the book today. We're recording on Sunday. Um I had over 200 pages yesterday. I think I had 210 that I had to read. So that's when I texted you and was like, might be some delays in recording, depending on how I get into the reading. Yeah, you sent me that. And I'm like, oh, my God, is someone dying? Like, I don't know why my first thought wasn't she hasn't finished the book. I was like, somebody's in trouble. Are you no, okay? Yeah, I hope everything's okay. And I was like, oh, no, girl, I just haven't finished the book. Like, when you replied like that, I was like, Oh, she thinks something's wrong. No, nothing's oh. wrong. Because I was, I went back and read it. I was like, yeah, it kind of, I didn't mention the book at all. I was just like, hey, hey we might have to delay. Home. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, no, I haven't even read the book. Um, so I ended up reading 140 pages yesterday. So I, I knocked out quite a bit and then finished it up this morning. But yeah, I mean... Once I got into it, I think, I think I mentioned last week that I like thought it was kind of boring. So I think once I got into it, it was easier to read. But, um, but yeah, I've got some hot takes. Yeah, did you and you listened to it? I read part of it and then I finished it off listening to it. So the narrator wasn't bad. The narrator did did a nice job. I had no problems with him. Um, like, just in general, I think that this writer is just not for me. Because yeah. this is the second book by him that I've finished and did not enjoy. For yeah. a variety of reasons. Um, but this time, so I think we're going to kind of spice things up. I did a little did a little blurb on the author, give us a quick summary of some of the major characters, and then a summary of the book to kind of help aid our discussion going along and yeah. hopefully help some readers who maybe haven't finished or haven't read the book. I mean, obviously, again, spoiler alert yes. for a book that was published in 1985. But, um, alrighty, you wanna get into it? Yeah. Alright, so Gabriel Garcia Marquez was born on March 6th, 1927 in Colombia. Some of his early, early years were spent with his grandparents at their house. Um, there was some some disapproval with his grandparents and um, their children's decision to marry. 
or their child's decision to marry who they decided to marry. But this house was always filled with stories and imagination. And that kind of helped carry his love of writing throughout his school years. Um, he met his future wife, Mercedes, when he was 12 and she was nine. So they truly were childhood sweethearts. And then they married in 1958. And they have two sons who I think I didn't, I didn't write this down, but I think they're still alive. And one of them is like a movie producer. Um, he was heavily influenced by William Faulkner. And so he and his family traveled the American South for a bit. Uh, he wanted to kind of see where he drew his inspiration from. Um, until they decided to settle in Mexico City, where he lived until his death on April 17th, 2014. Oh, so fairly recent. Yeah. Um, his wife passed away in 2020. I uh, didn't read oh. to see if it was old age or, you know, unfortunately COVID-related or anything like that. But yeah. he also does have a daughter that was the product of an affair that he had in the 90s. Everything I read made it seem like they were very actually kind of close and copacetic. And, but I didn't read too much into that. Um, he was known for his use of magical realism and has received numerous awards, including a 1972 Nobel Prize for Literature. Um, and because of his contribution to the literary community, he's been given multiple like honorary degrees, even though he never completed higher learning, yeah. um, including one from Columbia University up in New York. So some books that he's known for is Notable Works, 100 Years of Solitude, which was published in 1967. And this is actually based on his grandparents' house that he grew up in. So the setting of the home, like the family, uh, I read a quote where he said that this is basically full of inside jokes and nods to people that he knew growing up. Um, Chronicle of a Death Foretold, which was published in 1981. And then obviously Love in the Time of Cholera, which was published in 1985. And... The two main characters, Fermina and Florentino, are very loosely based on his parents. Okay. He said a quote where obviously the differences ended in the fact that his parents were married. And as we'll find out, Fermina and Florentino were not. <laughs> <laughs> they were not. Yeah. Oh, that's a good little bio. I like that. Maybe we should yeah. start doing that with all of them. Yeah, I think I will. Because, you know, it was kind of nice. Sometimes it was, it was nice to read little nuggets like, yeah. you know this was based on his parents or his grandparents' house. So, um, you know, I think almost all of his books were originally written in Spanish. He writes a lot about South America, Latin America, mm -hmm. um, really contributed to that booming literature scene. Um, so coming back around to Love in the Time of Cholera, we have our characters, Fermina Daza. She's our main female protagonist. Florentino Ariza, he's our main male uh, protagonist. They're the, this is their love story, basically. Then we have Dr. Juvenal Urbino, which is the husband of Fermina Daza, and America Vacuna, who is, I have this in quotes, the 14-year-old lover of Florentino. Because I have thoughts on that. Yep. Whole too. thing. So, um, are there any so, other characters that kind of stuck out to you that, um, of course, now that I'm trying to think the one that he worked with that she, like they never became lovers. I thought she was a pretty big character, especially for him. Yeah. They, they, she shows up and he's thinking that, uh, Florentino's going to like hit on her and all this stuff. Cause as we've seen, he yeah. is, uh, a bit of a, 
a bit of a ladies' man, a you could say. And she shows up, and he's like, "Hey, girl, what's poppin'?" And she's like, "No, I want a job." He's like, "Oh, okay. yeah." And then so he, she becomes like a secretary, and it's his uncle that's like, "Hey, I need you to find me more women like this that can do this job." Yeah. So she and she actually is like pretty prominent in his life. Is it is it Leona Cassiani? I think so. Yeah. Okay. There was one of my problems with this book where there were so many, especially when it came to him, there were so many names thrown out yeah. that I had a hard time kind of keeping up with. Yeah, I had to remember like, okay, was this one of the women, like which woman was this that he slept with? Was this, yeah, I think it, I think Leona Cassiani was the one that he never slept with, but he did have like a good <laughs> friendship with that. Yeah, so I think she's kind of um, a prominent character on his side of the story. Um, but, uh, onto the summary, uh, our story opens up with Dr. Urbino, who is a very well-respected doctor in the community, um, attending to the suicide of a dear friend who did not wish to grow old. That was his wish. And so he decided, I think it was like his 60th birthday, took some cyanide. Um, Urbino returns home and dies by falling from a tree while attempting to retrieve a parrot, Florentino hears of the news and reconfesses his love to Fermina Daza, who is Urbino's widow. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's kind of all that, like, first, like, 50 pages in a nutshell. Um, what a way to die. Yeah. Because, climbing to get a parrot that you didn't even want in the first place. <laughs> well, and what was funny is, like, the way the story opened up, you know, you're you're just hearing the story about Dr. Urbino, and you're just like, okay, how is he part of this? Until they finally mention his wife's name. And I was like, okay, okay, now we know who he is, and we know he's going to die. How's he going to die? And he literally fell out of a tree, or fell off a ladder trying to get a parrot in a tree. And I was like, that's one way to die. Because I thought he was just going to die of, like, old age or something. And, like, I think he was going through, it made it seem like he was going through Alzheimer's. Like, he was, like, forgetting things. Like, they had that argument about the soap hadn't been, yeah, we hadn't had soap in there for five days or whatever. Those kind of things. And then he fell off a tree, broke his back, and died. And I was like, got it. And then, yeah, and then Florentino immediately doesn't waste time, shows up at the house, and is like, hey, I still love you. Yeah, and thus kicked off my not too fond uh, opinion of Florentino. But, you know. Yeah. And then the story kind of like drops back 50 years to learn how all of this actually started. Like, how Florentino and Fermina met, how Fermina met Dr. Urbino and got married, and then, yeah. So I'll yes. let you continue now. Yes. Um, so like you said, we travel back 50 years to the beginning of a young Florentino and Fermina's love. Uh, Fermina's father does not approve of Florentino, but her aunt, I'm going to struggle with his name, Elotastica. Elotastica? Yeah, I think so. Um, helps facilitate their young love through the exchange of these love letters. Um, at this time, Fermina is around 16, 17 years old. Um, she is caught writing one of these love letters at her school, which is very strict. It's run by the nuns. And she's expelled and sent away to kind of, you know, you know, get, get Florentino out of your system, basically. While she is gone, Florentino's just love for her stays strong. And he's very excited to see her once she returns, but she rebuffs him. And it's just kind of like, gross, I don't know what I saw in you yeah. later, man. And this is what sets them off on their different paths in life. Um, 
And I think we need to like let it be known that they had only like met face to face once. Like it was just he had this like love at first sight. Like he saw her and like automatically like fell in love with her and started writing letters to her. This wasn't like that they were like lovers or boyfriend and girlfriend or something like he just started writing letters to her. Like there was no like hanging out, holding hands, like there wasn't any of that. It was just like, hey, I like you. And they were they were like if it this was done modern day, they'd be like sending instant messages back and forth to each yeah, other like they and, had but a chat never room. and never meeting. He would literally watch her sit on a bench and watch her and her aunt like walk to her school every day. Very stalkerish in a way. Um and then just like like had no like basis to why he loved her and vice versa. Like there was no I don't know. But okay. Yeah. Um yeah, I'll, I'll get to my analysis on that later too. Yeah. Um so meanwhile, this is their again their story split. Fermina meets Dr. Huvenali Urbino. Um, and while she's initially not interested in him at all, she eventually gives into his pursuit at the behest of her father mainly, and they marry. They have children and travel, and while the marriage is stable, it's not necessarily a happy one. This leads to Urbino having an affair, which he ends after Fermina confronts him. Yeah, so her dad definitely pushed this, just because of, like, it was more like... It was like social climbing. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. He's a doctor. He's a well-known doctor. He's going he's gonna to climb the social ladder. He's going to do all this, and then she's going to have that same being the wife of that. So she accepts that as well. Um, she marries him. And I do think like when they were talking about their honeymoon, like I was like, okay, I feel like they can be like in love and stuff. And I felt like I was like, okay, I can see this. Like I was like actually rooting for them. Um, but then you just, you're always in her point of view pretty much. And you realize just things weren't as perfect as they seem. Um, she was living in his mom's house with her, his two sisters, and they didn't like her. And it was just, it was a really difficult living situation for her. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. Fermina definitely wasn't happy. But I felt like, I felt like his affair just kind of came out of nowhere. It didn't, it felt very out of character for him. It was very out of character. And it was, it almost reminded me of Florentina of like, he just saw this beautiful woman and was like, mesmerized by her um it just it was yeah it was very weird and like how she found out about it was she was smelling something different on his clothes Mm -hmm. and she's like okay this is something different so then she's like looked in his appointment book to see where things had changed um she did some she did some good snooping yeah she did (laughs) she did what girls now can do on instagram and facebook in two point seconds you know like we got this um she actually didn't think it was that woman um, when she, like, she, like, wrote that woman off. She's like, I don't think it was her. Um, but he confessed everything, and he stopped going and seeing that lady. Because um, he met her, like, cause she had come to the doctor originally, and that's how he met her. Um, so, yeah. So then she goes off to Europe for two years. Yes, yeah, she's to her cousin where she was originally from and her mm-hmm. cousin that you kind of meet her cousin when she was younger and stuff. Um, and she goes there for two years. And during that time, because Florentino 
finds ways to see her throughout her time being married, thinks that she's dying of an illness because she, like, disappeared. So he's like, hmm, I think she's dying and all of that. So, but she's just mad at her husband and is like, deuces. And she, like, kind of left in the middle of the night. Yeah, it, um... It felt like to me that because we were supposed to be rooting for Florentino and here we've got overall a very decent, you know, decent dude never really made any other crazy comments or out of place, out of character things. But this just felt like, well, I got to do something to make people hate him. So I'm going to do this. And I was just like, "Ah," you know. It didn't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like it fit the story at all. And I will say, so also during this time, as you're learning about Farmina's story and where she's at, you're also switching back to Florentino's story. And basically he's just become a playboy. He finds a woman, he sleeps with her for a few months to some, a few years, depending. Um, But he never actually falls in love with them. Um, The one that I found like, Besides the the one that we're going to talk about later. But the other one I found disturbing was the one where he wrote on her. And then the husband. And the husband killed her? Killed her with his, came back with the razor. I thought he was going to do some, like, shape. He came back, slit her throat. I was like, oh, damn. Yes. So that's pretty much, like, every time we were in Florentino's point of view, it was pretty much him with a different woman, a different storyline. Um, but how he always came back to Fermina. Like, he was still always in love with her. There was no woman that could be that type of love that he had for Fermina. Um, yeah, I have in my notes, uh, parentheses, sex addict probs. Yeah. And how you said, like, rooting for him, like, at no point was I rooting for him. Was I hoping that they would have a happy ending? I was just like, dude, this is... You didn't even have a chance with her when y'all were younger. Y'all never actually dated. There was nothing. No. She wasn't really a true love. She was just an infatuation that you were obsessed with. At no point did I think this was, like, some true love story of, like, they finally get to have their love. Like, this was some 50-year-old love that we've been waiting for. Like, I never felt like that at all. I, uh, yeah, my, my next set of notes is all about how he just has love affair after love love affair. He keeps a journal filled with these escapades. Um, on, outside of that, he's hired by his uncle to work for the boat company and eventually becomes president of it. Um, I just, I, yeah, I, it was weird. It was obsessive. Yes. It was um, very stalkerish. He, in his old age, towards the end, he becomes the guardian of the, uh, the young girl who's 14, mm. America of Acuna. They make multiple points to state she's still a child. She has braces. She has scrapes on her knees. He takes her to go get ice cream and do child shape. Like, I was ast- like astounded at the amount of times that they pointed out that she was a child. And they become lovers. And this is supposed to just be like, oh, that's Florentino for you. And I'm like, yeah. even this is in. I think he was. I would say he was in his 50s at that point. This is, I, I looked at the time period that this is set in, and this is creeping into the, the 1910s, the 1920s. 100%, even then, this was not okay. And it even states in the book that the only reason they got away with it is because they have some distant familial relation and that no one thought of it otherwise. 
that they would yeah. be having sex, having a sexual relationship. I was just like, I cannot. I was like, he essentially groomed her. That's what he did. Oh, yeah. And he groomed her to the point where, like, when she was 17 or 18, and he was like, hey, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to get married. Um, so yeah, he, we got to We got to end this. She was like, uh, no, I love you. I this is this is supposed to be you and me. And still, still she making get, notes of like, oh, her grades are slipping because I didn't yeah. don't want to be with her anymore. And I'm like, yeah, man, because you and, took advantage of you. You abuse yeah. her essentially. And then she goes and she dies by suicide. Yeah, she kills herself um, because she was so depressed that she wasn't able to be with this man anymore. I just I couldn't. I that, that's this is when I texted you and was just like, I am over this book like I do not like this guy yeah Um, and at that point too like it's one thing to be like okay you have a lot of lovers do what you want to do I'm not one to judge your life but when it got to that point I was like at no point at this point am I rooting for you no you don't deserve for Mina you don't deserve happiness at this point you don't deserve anything like you knew sleeping with a 14 year old girl was wrong yeah. Um, so then that brings us kind of towards the end. He professes his love for, for Mina again. She's resistant at first, but slowly kind of accepts. I have that in quotes as well. Her love for him. They decide to go away together on one of his boats. And as they approach the port, for Mina decides she doesn't want the social scandal of being seen in the company of another man so soon after her husband's death. So they convince the captain to raise the yellow flag, which signals that there's somebody with cholera on board, allowing them to, uh, Flor- allowing Fermina and Florentino to finally be together because, you know, they have to stay quarantined and have to go from port to port and they can be alone together finally. Yeah, because it was just them two and the captain's, like, girlfriend on that ship yeah. during that time. Um. I, to me, this entire time, I never felt like Fermina was in love with Florentino. I felt like she got to the point where she was like, I'm free from this marriage, but I don't know how to be alone. So I'm just going to do something that's comfortable. Well, and he was so persistent. The amount of letters he wrote her showing up at her house, like calling her because she even even was like, don't call me anymore. Like the persistence, like, I think she was like, well, okay, I guess he loves me. Like... What else? Am I, I mean, at this point, I believe they're in their 80s or, like, like whatever. Like, 70s and 80s, yeah. So, I mean, at this point, why be alone anyways, I guess? You know that you're on, you're getting older, I don't know. Um, her daughter was, like, against it, was like, this is insane. You don't need to be with this man. And her. And so, Fermina was like, you're not allowed back in this house ever again, talking to her daughter. I, I just and her, Go for it. I was going to say, and her son was fine with it up until he realized that Florentino was going to be on that ship with her. Yeah. And was like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. This was supposed to be, like, for her to get away and, like, not be so. Yeah. yeah. I just, to me, this whole, this whole book was peak. Have you ever read the list of, it's, like, men writing women? Um, yes. I don't know what, but, like, yes. They're, like, says, essentially, like, it's just, like. It's very, like, they're very flat, one-dimensional, tends to focus on their physical looks, and they tend to be, you know, they're not, like, well-rounded, well-written people and characters. 
To me, that's what this entire book was. And even the men weren't that well written, in my opinion. Like, Dr. Urbino was the best written character, and we weren't supposed to like him for whatever reason. Like, we weren't supposed to be rooting for them. Um, I, I know. I think I was definitely the opposite. Like, whatever we were supposed to do in this book, I, I don't think I did because I was cheering for him the whole I, time. Like, I was so disappointed in him when he, like, had an affair. I was like, why would you do this to your wife? <laughs> I just, that felt so unnecessary, so out of place. I hated the whole scene where it was like when um, Fermina and her cousin, I think her name was Hilda Branda, get together and are just like, we're going to stand in front of each other naked and be like, oh, teehee, what does your body look like? I'm like, that's not, that's, that's just, even, I'll, I'm going to say, even in Columbia at that time, I don't think that's what was going on. Yeah. That's just not, that's just not how women interact with each other. And I'm going to say that he's like, not even like, oh, this is a modern woman's take on it. Like, that's just, mm -hmm. it was very clear. Like, I don't know. I did I did not feel like any of the characters were well written. His scenery, his ability to describe scenery is amazing. Yeah. It made me, like, want to be there under the mango tree. It made me want to be on the river. It made me want to be at those parties. Like, you know. But I think like, the character development was just fell flat for me so badly. And then, and then, like... I, don't, I, I just, oof. I did not enjoy this book. So, I saw your rating on Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually shocked. I did not think that you would give it that low of a rating. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't rated it yet. I'm still thinking about it. Because I just think about the other books that we've read this year with Oprah. And to me, it wasn't the worst. To me, I, I struggled with it. I gave it a one, spoiler yeah. alert, yeah. out of five. Um, I struggled with it because I think if I... The other book I gave a one was Great Expectations. And I think if I had to choose between those two, I'd pick this book up again just because it was beautiful scenery. It was, like, had some very nice, like, flowery language in it that I yeah. enjoyed. Um but man, it just got, I, I got to the point where, like, the women were all, like, I felt like, that's what it was. I felt like, um, despite him saying that this is based on his parents and all that, which I didn't know until I finished mm -hmm. reading it, um, it felt to me like he was, like, he saw himself in Florentino and was trying to make himself out to be this, like, tortured lover who couldn't like I never I never believed they were in love I kept wishing that this was daughter of fortune because when she went to go you know meet them meet her like clandestine lover mm -hmm. and like go to the church steps and stuff like I truly believed that they were like in young love together yes I truly believe that it truly made sense why she would leave to go try to find him even after she miscarried yeah. I never I never at no point did I think they were in love. I was like, he's just stalking her and then showed up at her house with a letter. She, she I mean, even even in writing about Fermina, she was like, oh, I had kind of forgotten about this guy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. because why would you? You never had a real relationship with him. Yeah, she was like, oh. You I came back and made the this. decision. Yeah, I was like, you came back on your boat 
And as much as you want to try to make it seem like your dad was the one telling you, you don't want that Florentino boy, like, you were the one that was grossed out by him. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a forbidden love of where she still pined for him and all these things. Like, she hadn't, until her husband's death, she had not thought about that man until he showed up and was like, I'm still in love with you. And then she was pissed because she's like, I'm trying to mourn a man that, for better or worse, like, we... A man that I have known for 40, 50 years now. Yeah. Have children with. Like, and he was just like, here's my chance. I was like, this is like. Like, he couldn't wait. He was like, I have to get there. Like, he thought there was men lined up or something ready to take her. And then just, I, I feel like, and I know a lot of people who really like this book. And I think maybe this is an example of, like, his toxic obsession with her has been twisted around to look like what love looks like. Um, I hope that's not love. (laughs) I hope that's not love. Yeah. Um, Like, I think this is another book, and if it had been kind of not, like, if because it's been advertised as this, like, grand love story across the ages. Instead of, like... I think that's the problem. Because, again, when I was going through, writing my notes, doing my summary and all that stuff, um, I came across an article that was talking about how maybe his original intent was not for it to be this big love story, and it was supposed to basically be, like... Love's a disease, love's a curse, mm-hmm. and it's going to make you do crazy stuff. But I, yes. but people haven't taken it to be like that. Because uh, you make a really good point because, so when he when he was young and he was in love with her, he told his mom everything. He was like, and when she turned him down, he got really sick and all of his symptoms were the sign of the disease cholera. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, it's kind of that comparison of, the same disease, the same symptoms of love were the same symptoms of cholera, which during that time, um, Dr. Urbino was like, he had made it his goal to basically like treat and eradicate. Yes. So cholera did play a part during this book. Um, so I, I do find that interesting that you said that, because I do think they made his symptoms when he was sick of like, he wasn't eating, he wasn't doing anything because he was so depressed it was those similar symptoms, like his mom was like, I think he has cholera or whatever. But he did not. He was just lovesick. Yeah, I... So maybe maybe this book has just been kind of reappropriated to be a love story when it's not really a love story. Yeah, I think that's unfortunate because I don't... I don't... I didn't think it was a love story. I mean, on the cover, though, it says, like, Newsweek says a love story of astonishing power. And I'm with you in that at no point did I think this was a love story. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, they finally got together after 50 years. How romantic. It's so sweet. Like, I was just like, oh, she's going to fall for it. Yeah, I kept. She's going to settle. I was just so disappointed. It was, again, I kept wishing this was Daughter of Fortune again, because her and Fermina have very similar paths, where it's young love, they kind of go away, um, 
in a way, like they're both searching for this love that they can't find. And Fermina just decides, ah, I'm old and might as well not die alone, right? Like, you know, yeah, that's her. Like, she just kind of, and I think again, that's poorly written because it just kind of erased a lot of the complicated emotions that a real woman would have for that. Yeah. And with Eliza in Daughter of Fortune, she, she has to realize freedom. there's more to it. Yeah. And she realized she had freedom and how, how much she loved this freedom of not having a man and like finding her like becoming a woman and all of these things. Like she was like, there's I'm free. Self, like when she saw the jar. Yeah. When she saw the head in the jar, she's like, I'm free. Like she was happy. She wasn't like, Hey, um, I need to find the next. Obviously she was with Dalchian, but like, that was never forced. It was like, to me, that was like um, a slow burn type of love, right? Yes, it was a, a slow burn type of love. She like you felt the build up. You're ready for it. It was like, even like I said, even some of the male characters in Love in the Time of Cholera weren't well written or well rounded. In comparison to a book of similar, really length setting, time period characters, and she managed to flush all those characters out very well and to make you feel for them. And I just didn't yeah. feel any of that. Yeah, I am with you. Um, some other things that I will say I did not like about this book. Um, there were rarely any chapters. Um, <laughs> they weren't numbered. They were just like a new whatever. And they were over 50 pages long. Some of them 60-ish pages per so I think there was only like five, five or six things. So it was really hard to like find a stopping point when you're reading. Like I yeah. always found it difficult to find a stopping point. Um, I know that's whatever. If people, yeah, everyone like has their style. Like yeah. everyone's got their style. Everyone has their style. I, I hate long chapters. It makes it difficult when you want to just like read something and have a um, stopping point. But a good thing is it's less than 350 pages. So it was definitely doable for us. Again, like I mentioned, I had over 200 pages to read from today and yesterday, <laughs> and I did it. Um, so it's possible, even if it's not the best book you've ever read, it is possible to read it. Um, and then I will say it was, it's still, it was still better than Great Expectations, and I was thinking about it before we started recording, and I think I would still put it above... Um, the Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Interesting. Yeah. I think maybe if, if Goodreads would let us do half stars, I'd, I'd say a one and a half. Because like I said, I really yeah. did like his description of the settings and it helped put me in in that place. It helped me put yeah. me back, you know, at that time. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, everything else kind of fell flat for me. And again, I really, really hated the whole, I felt like that whole America story with that girl, I felt like that was wholly unnecessary. Yeah. And I get that it was probably just trying to reinforce the fact that, like, love is a disease and all that. But I was, I, I was just like, to that me. That wasn't love. To me, that wasn't love. And, like, I, I just there was no love in this story for me. Probably the most love was between Urbino and Fermina 
And yeah. even then, they really didn't like each other all that much, you know? No. But I will say, like, even when she went to Europe for two years after she found out he was cheating, like, she realized she was homesick. She couldn't wait to see it. Like, she was so happy when he showed up when at the house. When he showed up, and they just, like, fell back into their comfortable ways. Yeah. It was like, you know, That's all like, it was. It was about comfort. It was like... I know you more than you know you. You know me more than I know myself. Yeah. Like, we know our routines and all of that. And if that's what love is for them, they made it work up until his death. And even even when he died, like, she... Like, he wanted to hold on to see her one more time. Like, there was some love there. There was some sort of, oh, I sort of def- connection there. I agree that more there so was so than I ever love. felt between Firmino and Florentino. Oh, no. I definitely thought that there was actual love there. They just, yeah. They had their problems. Yeah. I mean, everybody has problems. And it wasn't, and it definitely wasn't true love. Like, they didn't fall in love and get married. Like, it was almost an arranged marriage. Like, the father was like, hello, social light. Yeah. Yeah, crack that I mean, social ladder. She really didn't want anything to do with him the first couple of times he showed up. No, she was like, why are you here? <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Bye. She's like, yeah. And he's like, I need to check your symptoms, like open your mouth and stuff. Yeah. It was a little weird. <laughs> Get naked. <laughs> I got to check your hair. I was like, what? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that was that damn bird. That bird, but that what cracked me up about that bird was uh, the fact that he was like, I don't even want any pets that don't speak, that can't speak, you know, sp- yeah. basically Spanish or whatever. And so she found a bird that can speak Spanish. <laughs> I will say, I did think the storyline at the beginning with the the man that killed himself. I thought there was going to be more to that story for some I kept, reason. For some I thought reason, there was. Just- I kept- I, I thought just, that was going to end up being Florentino. Like, he had kind of transformed himself. And yeah. then they were just like, that was his friend. Yeah, and I just thought there was more like, oh. you know, they were talking about the letter. He had to drop it off, like, at that woman. That he, was, like, he had a secret woman. Yeah. Yeah. It was all these things. So I thought that was going to, like, play more into the story. And it was like, no. oh, Parrot. And then he had he came home. He was getting ready. And he, the stupid Parrot was still out because the Parrot got loose. The firemen were there. And he's like... Oh, he's on a low branch. I'm going to get on this ladder and get him. And then he died. And I was like, oh. If anything, all the men in this were incredibly selfish. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, I'm going to kill myself because I don't want to get old. But um, I'm going to take my dog with me. I know. I was like, what the heck? Take my dog with me. Also, I'm just going to leave this woman who loves me, who's also been a secret. And then... Oh, I'm in love with this woman, but she said no very clearly. But I'm gonna wait until her husband dies and then show up on her doorstep and be like, "What's up, baby?" Yeah, because he get he always said like his, in order to solve a problem, somebody has to die. Like his problems yeah. were solved when somebody died. That's what he was like. I was like, that's not how it works. This isn't Dateline. This is not how we do this. <laughs> Could you imagine a uh, an episode of Dateline? <laughs> With Keith Morrison being like, they were in love in the time of cholera. <laughs> it would have been, you know what? If he was the narrator for the Audible, I oh would definitely listen, I would listen to it again and again. He could narrate I would, anything. I want. I still love the Saturday Night Live skit where Bill Hader plays him, oh, and they're doing. You all have all said it to you. Okay. He he does a great job. He manages. <laughs> he like Kristen Wiig and Steve Buscemi are on it, and they're like. 
they're like, Steve Buscemi's character was allegedly chopped this guy up. And he's like, yeah, chop that guy up. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching Dateline before we recorded. (laughs) But yeah, well, um, I can read a few reviews on Goodreads if you want to hear some before we wrap this up. Do one five star and one one star. Okay, some of these are in Spanish, so let me find it. And I don't like to do long ones, because that's a lot of reading for me. (laughs) (laughs) She says after finishing a book. (laughs) Um, Okay, this one is a one star. I have not read it yet, so I apologize. And it was from March 1st of 2008, so this is an old one. I did not enjoy this at all. This is a book about a weak man excessively obsessed with a married woman for over 50 years. He pines his time away with 622 sexual encounters that he records and we have to read through. Do we have a number? Is that a, I don't know if that's a real number. Um, This book is slow. I remember at some point um, he talked about having like 25 books that he fit like X amount of women in. Yeah. Okay. He is sickly obsessed. He's a pervert, possibly a pedophile. Not possibly. Not possibly. He is finally reunited with his true love when she is in her 80s, and then he describes their bodies and love life. Don't recommend this to anyone. This is not what true love is. It is a book about obsession and weakness. Wasted my time when there were so many wonderful books out there to read. I'm sorry, did I write this review? I know, I was <laughs> like, exactly how I, felt. I was like, um, Lindsay, is this you? <sighs> yeah, um, I would agree with what that person has said. All right, now I have to find a... I just don't want to find a long five-star, because... Oh, that one's in Spanish. (laughs) Okay. um, I saved my favorite opening phrase for my last. When when we realize that cyanide smells like bitter almonds, this phrase opens like a lotus flower, revealing an amazing amount of depth, sensuality, and irony. The entire book is going to be about... Requited love, as we, as we as told here, as we as I think there was a typo there. Um, the reader's curiosity is also piqued by the questioning of where the smell of cyanide would be coming from. I have always found that this apparently simple phrase was plump with meaning and perfectly suited to the book that it introduces. Perhaps the most perfect opening line I have ever found. And I guess the opening line. So, I mean, that's all great and dandy, but an opening line can't hold me for the rest of the book. No. That's what I was like. Yeah, so the opening line was, it was inevitable. The smell of bitter almonds always reminded me, reminded him of a fate of love. So, he pretty much is just talking about that. It's not a very good one, but it's just the next one I found. I think... Even again, maybe if that whole theme of like there being almonds, like something to kind of tie that whole scene throughout the book. Yeah. Because that's kind of our introduction to to this this disconnect between somebody wanting to to die and to not go to their old age and be alone, but leaving their lover behind, all that. Um, but but that didn't happen. There was a theme about eggplants. Oh yeah, she hated eggplants. Yeah. So, so yeah, those were just two. Um, that five star wasn't the best, but that was the first one I found that was short, so I apologize. That's okay. 
Um, but yeah, so I guess you can tell it wasn't our favorite book. There was just some weird characters, some obsessive. I, that one star, I think, nailed it on the head perfectly. Yeah. That was a good description of this book. Um, so our next book for Oprah's Book Club is A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, our second Charles Dickens in three books. So we're, su- we're super excited about that. Soups. Um, so that one, that discussion will probably be in early March. Um, but yeah, anything else? No. Okay. Said what Um, I needed to say. (laughs) You did. Um, Instagram is at, uh, is reading with celebs. Twitter is reading W celebs. Um, please go like, subscribe, follow all of those fun things, and we will see you next week. Happy reading. Bye guys. Bye.